News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on another edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. As always, we're going up until 8 o'clock tonight to give you an idea of what's been happening around in the news locally and statewide. 704-570-1110 is the telephone number as always. And guys, follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. So last Friday, I had Catherine Truett on. She is the current North Carolina superintendent. She is running for re-election, and she does have a Republican primary, and she is running against Michelle Morrow, who's also running for that same position of North Carolina State Superintendent. And Michelle is joining me on the line now. So, Michelle, first of all, I appreciate you joining us. And where are you calling from? I'm actually calling from my car because I'm about to go into an event here in Denver, North Carolina. Um, but I appreciate you giving me this time. So why did you decide to run for superintendent? Because I am very concerned that our scholastics are falling here in North Carolina, that there is an increase in violence, we are lacking teachers, and I do not believe, and um, true it would be in agreement, that we are not preparing our children to be able to take the great jobs that are coming to the state of North Carolina. We are failing to provide our children the sound, basic moral education that is set forth in the North Carolina Constitution. So let's just go ahead, and I, I like to allow every candidate to say that, and at the end I will give you, um, you know, a, a 30, 45-second, you know, minute-long statement uh, to just to wrap things up and say what you, whatever it is you'd like to say. I um, always like to give an open forum, an open platform to the candidates as we end the interview. So I just okay. want to I just want to start jumping into some of the meat of the issues here. Sure. Um, first and foremost, um, I want to start off with who is running your campaign? Who's your official campaign advisor? Uh, well, I have two. One is Kimberly Stonebreaker, and the other one that is helping me is Sloan Rackmith. So. What all? What role does Sloan actually play in your in your uh, in your campaign? Uh, well, she's hel- she's helping to manage my campaign along with Kimberly. Kimberly's doing boots on the ground, um, and Sloan is helping me with um, with marketing and um, and just kind of directing where I'm going to what events and and that type of thing. Um, but I, I really have come on because um, I, I need to address the fact that both you and Catherine Truitt. Um, called me a liar. And uh, well, well, first of all, no, with all due with all due respect, um, with all, Michelle, with all due respect, I did not call you a liar. With all due respect, I said those who support. I said those who support you is exact. I didn't call you or your campaign verbatim. And that's not true. That you is, I, I literally have the audio. Okay. And, but but I'm but I'm okay. telling you beyond beyond that. Let me just say these are things you you talked about wanting to set the record straight. You yes. also are talking about a preview to the primary. And I think it's important, and you know this as a journalist, it's important to get both sides of the story, as I'm sure that your listeners do want to know who is going to be best in this position. So I would like to set the record straight. And when Catherine Truitt said that I have no right to run for this position because I am just a nurse and my children have never been in public school, um, she's wrong on both counts. First of which is, as a nurse, I have been a charge nurse in the ER, the ICU, as well as in labor and delivery, and I worked as the sole 
chief medical provider in the most remote county of the lower 48 states in Colorado, where I was responsible for training up other people in wilderness survival and first aid, as well as preparing them in medical administration. And I was responsible for the health and safety of thousands of people over a four-year period of time. So when she claims that I have no executive um, leadership skills, she's absolutely wrong. On the second front is when I'm talking about private education, or public education here in North Carolina, she needs to know that I have taught for nine years high schoolers biology, chemistry, civics, as well as Spanish, because, yes, I am bilingual in Spanish. And what I have learned in working with those students is many of them were being homeschooled or were sent to private school because of the political agenda that's in our schools and the academic the academic insufficiency, as well as the increase in the violence. And so for her to say that I don't have any right to run for this is absolutely arrogant in its, uh, in its uneducated an educated response. The other thing I'd like to address is she stated that I don't have any ability to manage this $12 billion budget. Well, she has no proof of that fact. But what we do have proof of is that she has mismanaged this, this allocations because what most people might not know in North Carolina is the legislature is the one that sets the budget. And the only thing that the DPI does is they are appropriating those funds to each of the 115 districts and all of the different directorships within the DPI. So what's happened in the last three years, two of the last three years consecutively, our DPI under Catherine Truitt has failed in our audits. That means there is two hundred and thirty million dollars of misappropriation. Okay, well, 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 actually, 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 that's actually inaccurate. That's actually inaccurate. So the two hundred thirty million dollars was not lost or missing. So it was because I, I did it's my not research missing, on this. It's misappropriated. It was. You know it was. It was a subaward paperwork that wasn't complete. And more to the more to that point, it was fixed later on. And they even noted that it was anticipated completion date was on June thirtieth, twenty twenty three. And then the other one, the other audit that you're talking about, the funds were recovered. There was a scam going on. A same thing, actually, the exact same thing happened to the North Carolina Department of Justice. And so they received and got almost every single penny, if not every single penny, back on that. So these two okay. audits, well, these two audits, well, everything was recovered and deemed to be like they figured out what was going on and they corrected the error. Okay. So, but the question is, um, who did she, was that her sitting down at night and look, pouring over the papers? No, it's not. It's the people that you put under you in your administration. And so we need to look at that too, because you look at the $157,000 that was lost on an email scam because protocols were not followed. Well, when someone but they, but they did they get the money back, their... but they did get that back. They got it back. Okay, they got all but like maybe you know, not, where, 99% where they of they get it. that money back? They get that money back from us, Brett. They get that money back, quote-unquote, from us, the American taxpayer. So the other thing that I think it's important for us to recognize is that Catherine Truitt, when we're talking about who she's put in her department, she has chosen not people that hold the same values as the Republican Party. She has chosen left-wing progressives that are pushing the CRT, DEI, and the SEL agenda that's coming down from the U.S. Department of Education. And she has done nothing to push back against that. As a matter of fact, she's actually been a stamp of approval because many people wouldn't don't remember that she actually allowed the genders of our students to be removed from the statewide database. 
And when she was asked, Anna, and by the way, we have the email stream to this conversation, she was told she could do nothing about it because the administration told her to remove those genders. So when she's touting that she was pushing for the Parental Bill of Rights, your listeners need to understand, I was the person, the individual, the citizen that wrote a petition and ended up getting a thousand signatures on it to push the Parental Bill of Rights through our legislature. I was the one that got people to email their legislators and to come down to countless meetings. And I spoke at many of those, many of those things. You know what Catherine has done? Catherine managed, after that law was passed in July, she petitioned the General Assembly to postpone the law, saying that we were not ready for it. Well, what is wrong with that picture? That law had been considered for the last year and a half in the General Assembly. If she truly was just waiting with bated breath for that law to be passed in July, then she should have had her administration, her policy writers, should have been writing the policies so that when that law went into effect, when our supermajority was able to override the veto of, of Governor Cooper, she should have been ready at the ready for, to give to the State Board of Education the policies for them to vote on so that they could have given those to the 115 districts so that when school started in August, our children's would, should have, children would have been protected and our, our parental rights would have been respected. But she didn't do that. You know what she did? She said that this is an inopportune time for this law to go into effect and we don't have the capability of making it happen, so push it back to January. And now you know what's happened? The left-wing progressive group, the Southern Poverty Law Center, has mounted up a lawsuit, and that means this law is going to be pushed inevitably into not being able to be accessed and, and to be upheld in North Carolina. Sorry, I was just going to reset. We're talking with Michelle Morrow, who's running for North Carolina State Superintendent against Catherine Truitt, who is the incumbent, and the winner will be facing what many deem to be um, a very formidable foe on the Democrat side with, with Mr. Green. Uh, let me ask you a question. I want to go back to something that has made a lot of headways over the last uh, three, four days or so. And, you know, you talked about Sloan being part of your campaign, Rackmuth being part of your campaign. And I'm just curious, in terms of that, she put out a tweet the other day, uh, and it basically said this as quote, and it was talking about Kristen Baker, Vicar, Vicky Sawyer, and Aaron Paré. And she said, support allowing that they support those three women support allowing pedophiles to keep their teaching licenses in North Carolina. They're in the Catherine Truett fan club and endorse her malfeasance at the expense of North Carolina families. So much for honoring family values. For the record, yep. do you for agree with that statement that Sloan Rackmuth said on X and that those three women, all elected state officials, actually support allowing pedophiles to keep their teaching licenses? The point of that post was to say anyone that is endorsing Catherine Truett who has allowed pedophiles to keep their license is endorsing that activity. And let me tell you, you we sent you we sent you all of the paper not even all of the paperwork. We sent you several of the paperwork to in order to and it's all on my website. So here's what happened. So the law is that the DPI, the superintendent, has the they are the only ones that have the power to suspend or to revoke someone's license. So when someone is 
accused of a crime against a child, whether it's, you know, whatever it might be, inappropriateness in the classroom, whatever it is. When they are accused of that, the DPI does have the ability to suspend that person's license. And that is what absolutely should happen. Should they suspend them with pay? Absolutely. Because you are considered innocent until proven guilty. But Catherine Truitt has said when she was called upon, because there were more than 60 people in the right now it had been or i'm sorry last year they were being accused of crimes against children inappropriate acts within the classroom or just abusing their position as a teacher or as as a staff member in the schools when that was brought to her attention and we have the email she specifically said i can do nothing about this until they have been proven guilty brett nothing could be farther from the truth you know and i know that during covid our court system was shut down. So these many of these people are out on bail for two and three years until they actually have their day in court. We are putting our children at risk of being in the presence of these people when they have an active license. Because here's the reality. We all know that, and this is the other thing, background checks. She has said background checks are up to, you know, the individual school boards, which is true in the individual districts. That law needs to be changed. She has said herself that she goes to the legislature and she fights for this or she fights for that. Why, in heaven's name, when North Carolina is, I think, number three in all of child sex trafficking of the United States of America, why are we not putting this as a top priority for our schools? Where do we think these people are going? who have these horrible criminal fetishes, they're going to where the majority of our children are, which is in our public school system. So why would that not be at the top? Instead, yesterday, she's talking about trying to get them to change a law as to how we're giving a grade to our schools. Listen, it's great that we want to grade our students and our our classrooms, not just on academics, but also on the climate and, you know, and whether they're involved in intra and extracurricular activities. I'm totally fine for that. But when we're looking at the priorities of what needs to happen, the safety of our children needs to be absolutely number one. There is no excuse for not suspending somebody's license who is accused of harming a student or using their position in the schools to uh, to groom a child. No excuse. Well, and no. I will say that, um, and I because I cover CMS down here in Charlotte uh, quite extensively, that when things like that are happened, the teacher is usually automatically suspended, like you said, with pay. They either forfeit a lot of times, they forfeit their license, or they resign their position and are not allowed back in the classroom. But I do want to say this. So Aaron Paré, who I was told that you actually used to be a supporter of, she actually uh, gave me a statement about that tweet the, uh, from the, that was posted by Sloan the other day. Sloan is an individual. Wait a minute. No, I was going to I was going to I was going to be clear. Say that again. I just want this to be clear. Yes. Yes. Sloan is an individual and she can post whatever she wants. She's not posting that on my campaign website. No, but she is but she but she oftentimes speaks on your behalf because she is part of your campaign. But Brett, I want you to understand there's people speaking on behalf of Catherine Truitt that are from the Democrat Party. 
Okay, so so if we're gonna if we're gonna go about you you want to look at you want to look at okay Senator Tom Tillis Senator Tom Tillis just had a fundraiser for Catherine Truett last Thursday Senator Tom Tillis has been censured by the North Carolina GOP okay so she's wanting to run on the Republican ticket and she gets somebody to come down from D.C. when we're trying to put a firewall between D.C. and their horrible politically charged racially divisive sexually explicit academically weak curriculum that they're forcing us to to put into our schools really really so 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 you're going to call me out for for sloan i am going to call you out because she is actually working on your campaign but i do want to hear i I want you to hear what aaron paré had to say about that tweet and that you actually just said and you just said i asked uh, do you support that tweet if it's accurate and you said if they support them support i don't i'm not supporting the tweet what i said is is it accurate this is what is it is that tweet was that tweet accurate that they support pedophiles in the classroom and keeping their licenses? Is if, that tweet if accurate? They, if they are saying that Catherine Truitt is not responsible for that and that she should be endorsed, then yes, it does fall back on them because they are the legislators. And if, if they they are legislators working with Catherine Truitt, and by the way, by the way, why don't you talk to Trisha Cotham? I have or, many times or Gailey, because you know what they had to do, Brett? They had to actually tell Catherine, you need to get this done, because she wasn't doing it. There were there were two teachers that had already rescinded their license. They had quit their job and said, we're not, we don't want our license anymore. And she took months and months to make, to take their license, to revoke it on the statewide database. And here is the danger. And you know what she responded when she said, well, and if people hire them, well, shame on them. Well, I have talked to Trisha exactly extremely. Ma- I've, I've, well, I've talked to Trisha many, 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 many times. I've spoken to Trisha more than any reporter in North Carolina. But I do want to play what Aaron Paré had to say. The claim by Republican primary candidate Michelle Morrow that current state superintendent Catherine Truitt would allow for pedophiles to remain in teaching and do nothing about it is devoid of fact, completely outrageous, and irresponsible. I was recently informed of another outrageous claim by a Morrow campaign surrogate that, quote, these three Republican women lawmakers support allowing pedophiles to keep their teaching licenses in North Carolina, end quote. Again, this claim is devoid of fact and completely outrageous and irresponsible. The three women her campaign is referring to is Dr. Kristen Baker, a sitting state legislator and physician in psychiatry, State Senator Vicki Sawyer, and myself. We are all mothers. My kids are students currently enrolled in North Carolina public schools, and we all supported the Protect Our Students Act, which directly deals with this issue. Dr. Baker specifically worked with Superintendent Truitt on this policy and was a primary sponsor of the bill. The bill passed unanimously last year and is now law. A simple examination of current law is proof itself of the absurdity of these claims and a lack of familiarity by Michelle Morrow about how things actually work. The voting public deserves facts and truth. At the very least, Michelle Morrow should denounce these outlandish claims made by her team. And unfortunately, she has not done that. So Michelle Morrow running for state superintendent, what are your thoughts about that? 
Well, Brett, you know what I think? I think good job in letting in letting somebody come on when I, you're supposed to be giving me my ten minutes or whatever to explain. But I'm going to say this: if they well, it's been to, oh, by the, for, for the record, for the record, it's been twenty minutes so far, and, that, and I've I've blown through all the commercials to keep you on because I wanted to well, keep thank talking you to you so much. But let me say this: let me say this to Aaron, okay? Aaron Aaron Perret, she could absolutely call me. We've been friends for how many years? Why instead does she go and make a public a public announcement? But I want I want the public. I want the public. Well, do you denounce that tweet? Do you do you Let denounce me just that say tweet? My statement, please. I want the public to be the judge of this. If they if these legislators know that there are currently right now three pedophiles that have been convicted in the state of North Carolina and they still have Can you their give me their names? Uh, can you give me their names? Well, I'm sitting in my car. Well, I, don't I mean, I mean, I, 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 no, I would like to know who the pedophiles are. If okay, you're, if you're making these wild accusations, I'm not wild, but if, if you're making these accusations, not wild accusations. But if, but I, and, and I, and I right, and I, and I correct, and I, and I correct, and I correct, I corrected myself. If you are making these accusations that there are three current people that have that are convicted pedophiles, if there are three, I'd love to see their names. And okay. by the way, I'm and curious. Why don't you, you see, if you have these emails, why don't, why don't you or Sloan put them out? Why doesn't your campaign put them out? They're on my, they're on my website. Anybody could have been there. Well, but I mean, be honestly, why don't you put there. them on social media? Because more people would see them. Okay, I'll be happy to do that. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not, when, I'm not doubting I'm not in, it. I'm just trying I'm to ask. I'm not in a car going to a, going to an event. You know, which, by the way, Catherine Truitt has done none of that. She has not been responsive to the the citizens of North Carolina. She has not come to any of these events and actually touted her three-year, you know, her Well, she was at the Council of State in Charlotte because I was there covering that. I was there covering the Council of State. Well, well, I'll tell you this, too. I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, She was there in Charlotte. She did come to Charlotte. She she sat right beside you in the Council of State. You're exactly right. She did. And and so your listeners know she actually lost to me in that straw poll. Um, And so, but I will say this, too. Um, Like, even in her, even in her brochure that she's sending out, her mailer that she's sending out, she doesn't even acknowledge that she's the incumbent. Why is that? Why is that? If she is so proud of what she has done as the superintendent of public instruction, why isn't she saying, look at my record? She can't do that, Brett, for this reason. She pushed off the parental bill of rights. She has been denying people, I'm going across the state, and everyone can show me. They, they have stories. I went to, I tried to go to my school board. I tried to go to my principal. They wouldn't respond. And I would go to the superintendent's office. And the answer is always the same. I'm so sorry. I'm sure that's a hardship. Oh, I can't do anything about it. Here's the reality. You can, because you can use the pulpit. You can use your, you can use your influence over the legislature and you can use your influence over these superintendents and these school boards when they are not following the law, when they're not upholding the standards that are set by the Department of Public Instruction. You absolutely can put pressure on them and you should as the superintendent to simply sit back and make excuses for the failures of our academic system, for the failures to control the violence and the chaos that's happening in our schools, for the failure of protecting our children from potential groomers and from being sexually abused, for the failure of of allow of having teachers that want to stay in their role and that are staying there for longer than four years, because right now that is that is the average time that we get a teacher to stay in our school system in North Carolina, just four years. So all of these things are a danger to our freedoms. They're a danger to our future, and they are destroying 
the, the hope of our children and our families here in North Carolina. And instead of saying, you know, don't blame me for this, which is what Catherine does, where is her proposal for how she's going to make things better? Everyone across the state, regardless of race, religion, or politics, is upset about the state of academics in North Carolina, the state of our schools, everybody. This is the most uniting issue on the ballot this year. And instead of instead of fighting and giving hope to people and saying, these are ways that we're going to solve this, she's saying, don't blame me, but just so you know, I can't do anything. How is that? hopeful to the people of North Carolina. I am coming forth and I am saying, I have made conservative changes. And you know what it takes? It takes calling out what's happening. This didn't start as a public call out. This started out as emails and phone calls and going to meetings and trying to get this change and trying to get our kids protected. Do you know what? I went to, uh, for the last five years, I've been to school board meetings. I've been fighting to get nurses in the schools because right now in North Carolina, we're sharing a nurse between three and four schools, which is absolutely ridiculous and it's unsafe, especially given the new case that just came out today, that 21 students in between the ages of 10 and 19 had to be given Narcan in our schools for opioid overdoses. And they're wanting now in Wake County and Charlotte-Mecklenburg, and now they want to put it in 200 schools. They want to put Narcan into those schools. And you know who they want to be responsible for it? Teachers. Brett, do we really expect teachers now to be EMS personnel on top of teachers, on top of police officers, on top of counselors and social workers? This is absurd. And what we need is somebody who has the backing that I do, the medical understanding to deal with the mental health crisis, to deal with this drug crisis, and to get the, the staff into our schools that we need to go to the legislature and tell them this is who we need in our schools. The funding has to start at the classroom and go up to the boardroom instead of the other way around. Well, I'm glad you brought up the mental health aspect of it. And like I said, I mean, I'm blowing through every single commercial and passing every single commercial. And you'll end up with almost exactly the same amount of time that Catherine Chewett had on Friday. Thank you. Um, I'm curious, but you brought up the mental health thing. In 2022, when you were running for the Wake School Board um, Mm and the candidate forum in the District 9, You said, quote, I have two cousins who are mentally retarded by definition. I know we don't use that term very often anymore. Why did you use that term instead of saying something, I don't know, intellectually disabled, mentally challenged or whatever? Like, why did you specifically use that term? Um, Only only because my my cousins are now in their late 50s. And as a family, that's how we have that's how their parents still refer to them. So uh, so the fact is, yes, I know it's now, you know, there's now uh, politically correct terms to do that. But but that this is the reality. If we're going to get hung up on the fact that I used the wrong verbiage rather than I have practical solutions for how we can help every student, regardless of what their abilities are, to to reach their full potential, this this is what is wrong. This is what is wrong right now with what's happening in our in our country. It's what's wrong with the Republican Party. Because we are sitting here splitting hairs about you said, he said, she said, oh, did you call somebody this name? Whatever. Well, well, well I, I, I mean, but, but let's that. be honest. But, but Michelle, in all sincerity and with all due respect, but there are a lot of things like, like, the, like you were, you were like, like I've seen, I've seen tweets. I mean, I've seen all the social medias 
where basically like you called, you know, Islam evil. And you talked about uh, COVID-19 vaccine being as population control. Uh, according to all this, actually, this part's actually con- according to the WRAL website that you use, you said all this stuff. And that, uh, yeah, that did you did, always known for 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 telling the truth. So so you're saying all this is completely false. And I've got screenshots where you thanked the Proud Boys for a, a protest um, during COVID in what, November of 2020? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If we, if we want to get into that, let me tell you. Let me tell you what's happening at the protest at the Reopen campaign, which, by the way, I was at every Tuesday, and I would bring my kids. And I was there with who? Other women and their children. Why? Um, because we wanted everything to be open. We wanted the schools to be open. We wanted our businesses to be open. And you know what? There were Antifa members there throwing things at us and spitting at us. And you know what? The Proud Boys stood between us as, as, as women with their children. And I said, thank you for being there and protecting us. So sue me. I, don't know what, I didn't know what their political affiliations are or what they were going to do in the future. I just knew that they were... Well, I mean, the Proud Boys had already... ...hateful people. Okay, but at the time, nobody knew. I just asked them, who are you? And I said thank you to them. I didn't know anything about their background, but but we are totally digressing from what the problem is right here, right now in academics here in North Carolina, well, and this is the issue. Well, this is real quick. You've talked about school safety a lot, and, and I and there's this one has actually been kicked around a lot, and uh, it said that while you were running for school board in Wake County, you said teachers should be allowed to carry concealed guns in the classroom. Do you still mm-hmm. believe that by any chance? Do you believe that? Yeah, there's the, what I said. They asked me if I thought that teachers should be able to have their Second Amendment rights. That was the direct question. Okay. And I said, I absolutely believe that Second Amendment rights are not dependent on what your job description is. And what I, what I had said was, I do not expect teachers by any way, shape, or form to be the ones that are controlling safety in the schools. That is why we need resource officers. That's why we need video surveillance. That's why we need weapons detection systems for outside threats. And what we also need is we need administrators to have the backs of the teachers. Because I'll tell you, like I said, I've been traveling the state for the last two and a half years specifically talking about education issues. And the same thing I hear, it doesn't matter what district you live in, teachers tell us that there is no backing. There is no control. There's no respect. There is no consequences for these children that are ill-behaved. And I'm not just talking about the fact that maybe they're wiggling in their seats. These are kids who we know are assaulting teachers. They're assaulting other students. They are throwing things. They're destroying property. They're cursing. They're refusing to do their work. And when they are sent to the principal's office, you know what they tell me happens? They get a snack and they get to play on their iPad. And then they come back to the classroom and lo and behold, they're doing the same issues. And and you know what they're told by the principals? They're told that you, teacher, need to contact the parents. And what happens then? Then you have a breakdown between the teacher and the parent, because now there's going to be tension. The parents say, well, that's just because you don't like my kid, or that's just because blah, blah, blah. And that's not my child's fault. That's because you're not teaching this right. And so then you have this incredible conflict between the teacher and the parent or the guardian, and that needs to be a solid basis. We all know the best way for a child to reach their full potential is for there to be a great connection between the teacher and the parent. And I say this, I say with 1,500 teachers being assaulted last year, what are we going to do about it? Because the reality is we cannot 
put our teachers and our students any longer into dangerous situations. You want to know why they're anxious and they're depressed and there's mental health issues? Do you want to know why they're not learning? Because it's really hard to learn something and a new concept when you are in a fight-or-flight response. And I am hearing all over this state, there are fights breaking out almost every day in our middle schools and high schools. We have students that don't go to the bathroom for an entire day because the because they're worried about what's going to happen when they go because the bathrooms smell like weed and because people are throwing kitty litter into the toilets because they're pretending to be cats. Well, that's there, more of a that's more of a school district thing. That's not that's not yes, a DPI school is. board thing. That's not a school it, board it, thing, especially when they're all is. appointees it by Governor Cooper. Okay, it is for this reason. It is for this reason. The superintendent is the one who sets the agenda for the school board. You really don't think that our state... You think CMS is going to follow a Republican school board or Republican superintendent? Let let me tell you how they're going to do it. This is how you do it, Brett. Because remember, the DPI has the job of writing the checks. If you don't, if you don't, do what you're supposed to do according to the standards and according to the, the requirements that are by law that we set by our legislators or the standards that we set, then you don't get your check. For instance, safety. Truett has a, a you know safer schools department. Well, yes, they have to have an emergency preparedness plan, but why are we giving why are we giving checks of like seven hundred thousand dollars to a recent to a recent school district if they cannot prove to us how they are going to use it. This is how many officers we're going to get. This is what we're going to do with discipline. They need to be able to prove that they already have the plans set in place. They have the personnel that are going to be able to do those plans. Otherwise, what is the point? Why are we just continuing to give money to things and we're not, uh, and then we just go, well, we can't control how they use it. In fact, in Charlotte, Catherine said, while she sat next to me on the stage, they asked us about safety, and I said, we need safety outside from the outside, you know, influences. We also need safety in the classroom. And I I said, this is what we need, student resource officers, blah, blah, blah. She says to me, well, you know what? We can set standards, and we can tell them what to do, but then we just have to hope and pray that they're going to do the right thing. By the way, you don't have the right to withhold funds. You don't have that ability. You, you, You absolutely do. You absolutely do. If they the are superintendent does not have that ability. Okay, well, then, then how does she have the ability to go and be delivering checks, Brett? Because that's all based on the board. The board itself says, okay, here's where we're going to uh, d- distribute the funds. And it's her duty, or this, or his duty, whomever the superintendent is, is to carry out that. But it's the yeah. board that sets all of that, not the superintendent. The superintendent is almost like the mayor in Charlotte. It has very little power. It can actually, oh, the main thing the superintendent do is try to influence, but actually in terms of rules and regulations and votes, because they don't get a vote there's a lot there's mo- a lot of things the superintendent just can't do and especially well, with cms I, I that i covered what, they I, don't deal with cms could I, not care to, less about raleigh well i ha- well i have to disagree with you for this reason you know what when the people for for this example okay new hanover new hanover the superintendent single-handedly decides that he's going to close down a special needs school, and they're going to put illegal aliens in it, right? And he didn't even talk to his board about it. And this is an appointed position, right, down in New Hanover. So what happens? Somebody writes an article. We throw that out on social media. I write a video, and I say this is not tolerable. You know what happened? Three days later, he says, okay, we're not going to do that. This is what the power of the people. Brett, that is the goal of 
the of an elected official. We represent the will of the people. We go to the people and we say to them, did you know that Charlotte Mecklenburg School Board is refusing to do X, Y, or Z? You need to put pressure on them. Do you want them to give them their tax money? And you put all kinds of pressure. Same example in Durham. They will never, you can never refuse a child tax money. That will literally never happen because once you do it, you will be immediately voted out of office for hurting children. That's just not, that's just not, that's just not pliable. Okay. 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 So this is the question. This is the question. When you have a board of education, that is elected, why aren't they voted out of office then? Why can't we put pressure on them and make it very uncomfortable for them because they're not doing what the people want? This is the problem. The people don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So the one thing that the superintendent can do is they can have conversations. They can discuss what is happening at, at the district level. So when, when people are clamoring to the superintendent and saying to the superintendent, listen, we've gone to our principal, we've gone to our school board, we've gone to the superintendent, we're getting nothing. For her to say, I can do no more, is wrong. What she should be doing is saying, listen, we all need to sit down. You and whoever the party is that has the complaint, the superintendent and the school board, we're going to sit down and we're going to come to an agreement of what's going to happen here, right? That's how you are an advocate. If you look at the job description of superintendent of schools, it's advocacy, okay? And that is being an advocate. I have done that for years. I have told the people of North Carolina, this bill is coming down. It, you know, this is being considered in, in the General Assembly. This, these are things that if you want change, please email your, your legislator. Email them respectfully. Come down and, and be heard at these committee hearings. This is what she needs to be doing. Whoever is in that seat needs to be advocating for the families and for the students of North Carolina. And if it is not okay for education, the quality of an education, the safety of our students, the climate that our staff and teachers have to work in, it is not okay for it to be completely different from zip code to zip code. That is not a state educational system. So you put pressure on the legislators that are from that district to talk with the school board members and the county commissioners and the superintendents. It needs to start being that that we are encouraging, we are empowering, and we are educating the the citizens of North Carolina to know what it means to be a constitutional republic, to know what it means to take your civic duty and to go to your elected officials and let them know what you need and what you expect of them. Well, that I will say this real quick, just just for the record, by the way, and we've got we've got to go because every single commercial that I've blown through, I'm you've sorry. Got to, no, 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 no. You are totally fine. I I wanted to keep this going, and this is all on me, and we're totally good. But we've got about pretty soon about twelve minutes worth of commercials we're going to have to get to. Um, so real quick, I do want to say just for the record and state it for the record that. Um, the new Hanover, the situation that you're talking about, the, the special or the that particular situation concerning the illegal immigrants and all that stuff, that was actually shut down by the school board. The school board in New Hanover actually closed that down. So I, I will, I want that for the record. I, I, I just that's exactly what happened with that. So I do want that for the record. But but, I, but, but, but like I, I told you want... though, real quick. But like I told you, because I do have to go. But I told you I would give you the final 30 or 45 seconds to say what you want to say, and I want to stay to my word. But we've got to keep this about 30 or 45. seconds seconds because my producer is having a fit over here. Yes, sir. Yes. So
So I just want the people of North Carolina to know this, that I am a, I am a conservative at heart. I will push for the same North Carolina values that the majority of North Carolina families want to be in our schools. I will push back and fight against the U.S. Department of Education and their overreach into our school system. We, in my opinion, we need to audit what's happening with our funds. We need to determine how we can get the U.S. Department of Education out of our schools and return to where the legislature is the one that constitutionally has the right to set the standards, the budget, and the curriculum um, for our schools, and we need to get back to that so that we are managing this at home. I want to bring safety scholastics and fiscal responsibility to the DPI and to every school here in North Carolina. I have a plan to do it, and I would ask for everybody to go to my website, Morrow, the number 4NC.com. Morrow is M-O-R-R-O-W, the number 4NC.com. There is a comparison chart there between Catherine Truitt and I, and I would greatly appreciate their support, and they can, they can email me through that site if they have any questions whatsoever. Michelle Morrow, I really greatly appreciate this, and the entire interview will be posted on our website probably about an hour or so from now, hour, okay. hour and a half, and um, everything will be there. So, again, thank you for coming on for this. I mean, we are continuing our preview to the primary, and, um, and again, I, I, it, I do appreciate you coming on and reaching out like you did over the weekend. So thank you for doing this. Absolutely. Thanks for the time. Yes, ma'am. There you go. Michelle Morrow, North Carolina State. Okay. She's running for the North Carolina State Superintendent. And, again, election, uh, the primary Early voting goes through Saturday, and then the election day is March 5th, next Tuesday, um, I believe a week from today, as a matter of fact. Today is Tuesday, right, Isaac? All right, there you go. Today is Tuesday. All right, everyone, look, that's going to do it for tonight. I, we, I just, like, we've got everything built up together all at once, so um, I apologize for that, but I didn't want to uh, risk going to break and anything like that. So have a great night, everyone. We're going to do this, um, not tomorrow, because I don't have a show tomorrow, but just a reminder, on Thursday, I will be at the Vintage Cigar and Whiskey Club out there in Gastonia, recording live from 6 to 9. Come out there and join me completely free. Specials, giveaways, all kinds of stuff. I really want to see you there, and it looks like we're going to have a really, really good showing. So have a great night, everyone. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.